Hi, this is Jennifer Gaskin. And this is Giselle Rivera Flores. And this is Don't Don't Touch Touch My My Podcast. Podcast. The show where we delve into the complexities of diversity, inclusivity, and what it means to be a Latin and Black woman in America. We are excited to announce our corporate collaboration with the Hanover Theater and Conservatory in Worcester, Mass. for season two of Don't Touch My Podcast. We are partnering with the Hanover Theater to amplify the local creative community and bridge the gap between the BIPOC communities to create equitable access and participation. Welcome to Don't Touch My Podcast season two. Today we're having a special episode featuring a cast member from the Mean Girls. I'm here with my co-host Giselle Rivera Flores. Hi guys, we're here with Erica Barnett, who, like Jennifer said, is part of the cast member and the touring company from Broadway for Mean Girls. Hi, I'm currently in Providence, Rhode Island. We're currently stopped here. In a couple of days, we head over to Worcester, which we're all looking forward to. Everyone's a big, big fan of the New England fall over here. So um, I'm doing well. Where are you from originally, Erica? I'm from Queens, New York, originally. I was born in the Bronx, and I was raised in Queens in a small neighborhood called St. Albans. Well, in a larger neighborhood called Jamaica, Queens. I lived there since I was five. My father's family is from Hollis. We made the switch to Queens for me and my siblings to grow up. Your neighbors to to Giselle, she's from Brooklyn. You're from Brooklyn? Where in Brooklyn? Yes, I'm from Williamsburg, and I went to school in Forest Hills in Queens. Oh, where? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I went there. I used to hang out and I've gone to Hollis, Jamaica, all those different places were like our, our, you know, hangout spots in high school, which was like a hundred years ago. But yeah, I'm from Brooklyn and then I moved to Long Island. So I lived on Ronkonkoma for um, a few years as well. Yes. The Long Island Railroad. I'm on the green line, the local Babylon. (laughs) (laughs) Right. In and out. (laughs) So Erica, tell us, tell us about your character in Mean Girls and what we should all be excited about in in having Mean Girls come to Worcester. If you have seen the movie, it's a lively, it's a lively high school. And so I play one of those high school students. I'm not necessarily one of the plastics or one of the main women, but I am in the ensemble. So I have a plethora of responsibilities. At one point, I play a French teacher. At another point, I play a student in the classroom or a friend at a party. It, 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 it runs the gamut. Um, really. And I just contribute to creating the space and helping the audience really understand the power balances in the school. That's awesome. What is your ethnicity, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I'm half Black and half Cuban. My mother is first generation American. My grandparents came over right before the revolution started in Cuba in the in late 1950s. How do you feel being on stage, being part of this Broadway tour with your background as a woman of color? To me, it feels incredibly, incredibly fortunate, and I feel incredibly responsible for being a representative of my background and people who do look like me. I don't take it lightly. I really love being able to be a role model for young people that look like me or even people that are older than me that have the opportunity to be like, hey, that person, I can relate to that person in this environment because I look like them and we have that shared experience. So I really am grateful for this place and grateful to be that person for a lot of people uh, because there's a lot of people before me that I definitely looked up to for that. And now to join those people, I feel really lucky. How did you get 
into acting and being on the stage and performing in, on Broadway? It's actually really funny. It all happened by accident, really. I started dancing and around the time I was eight or nine, my mother was like, hey, like, you know, you want to be like one of those kids in those commercials and on TV. And I was like, I mean, any eight or nine year old would be like, yeah, like one. <laughs> um, so from that point on, I started auditioning for work and I ended up making my Broadway debut when I was 10 in the original company of Matilda about 10 years ago. I would say like from like the professional standpoint, that's how it really started. But I guess in my interest of the arts, my parents are both public educators and public school educated. I think New York City does a really good job at offering tickets to students across the city, no matter where they're located. And so a lot of the times my mom, since she was a high school principal, would get tickets for her students. And I would always tag along. And like, should I have been seeing the color purple at age four? Absolutely not, but I was there. And it was the experiences like those were truly transformational and really got my mind going and my heart going about what I wanna do and what I really enjoy and what inspires me. I would say experiences like that definitely attributed to how I got here today. I went to Performing Arts Public High School in New York City, where I was really able to learn. And I'm so fortunate for those resources that were given to my tiny school full of basically 500 black and brown students. It's not something that I think is usually accessible in that way. Then I went to college for a year and now I'm here. I dropped out to do this and I'm having a great time so far. I salute you taking that chance and leaving school and, and going forward into what your passion is. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I you really got to give it to my parents for their support, their never-ending support. My dad's a football guy, a basketball guy. Like, <laughs> he runs he runs the community tournaments. And my mom, like she's an educator, so that wasn't something that necessarily was familiar to them. But they let it become familiar to them. So that I could do what I do. Cause I guess they realized how important it was for people that look like us to be involved with things like this. Absolutely. Giselle and I talk a lot about being interested in reading and writing and how it really wasn't something that was encouraged in our communities or I don't, I was sharing with somebody the other day, how nobody ever told me that I could have a career as a writer and actually be successful. It was more like, okay, go to school and become a nurse doctor or something like that. Nobody right. ever told me like being a, a creative could actually be your career. So I absolutely agree with you and commend your parents for thinking, being so open and supporting you through that. Yeah, I'm truly, truly grateful to them and the experiences they also got to experience thanks to like, their jobs and like how the city provides arts resources. And though it's still got to work on the arts education aspect in non-performing arts schools, but definitely that as well. Yeah, and I agree. So I talk about this a lot with different people. And I always say, I went to school in New York and I see a vast difference between going to school in New York as a child and the children that go to school here in Worcester, Massachusetts, where Hanover is based. And there's a mass discrepancy. And I always say, I'm grateful that I was born and raised there because the schools really did raise me, right? And where I had accessibility through my schools that I think that otherwise I would not have. The arts weren't part of my household, really, which is crazy because I have a, a cousin who's a muralist in Puerto Rico. My mother draws, my uncle draws. Everyone's like artistically abled, 
yet nobody was into the arts. It, it was, it's like a weird phenomenon in my house. But if it wasn't for the public school systems, I wouldn't be able to attend a lot of things. Like I've gone to Broadway through school. I went to places like the MoMA and the Met and all of these crazy places that the schools made accessible to us. And I always talk about that because I think it's so vitally important, like Jennifer stated, for us as children to see what our options are. Not everyone has to take that same path. And oftentimes school is set up in a way in where everyone's going and leading into the same path and, you know, being told that you should go and finish high school, then go to college and keep going to college as much as you can. So that way you can have as many degrees and be a professional of whatever field, but make sure it's really, really high. Right. But some of us are just like, we want to write, we want to act, we want to do a manuscript, we want to be performing arts, visual artists, photographers. So it's such a weird conversation to have because if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the public school systems, I myself probably would have a very different outlook and a co- different connection or a lack of connection like with the arts. My daughter's an artist and my husband's an artist and he's a photographer. So now in my immediate home now as an adult, it's very much part of who we are. And I think, again, I just am super grateful for that in the public school system of New York City, because otherwise I wouldn't be in here. I don't even think I would be doing this podcast with Jennifer. <laughs> like it would just be blowing my mind right now. Like what? No one wants to hear us talk. What are you talking about? <laughs> I completely, completely got you on that. I went, I attended the University of Michigan for a year. I was a musical theater major and I I met kids from everywhere and to hear about their different experiences leading up to having them be at this quote-unquote prestigious program I really realized how fortunate and lucky I was for for that experience I had in my New York City public school and realizing that access is not necessarily the same everywhere and so now part of I think my responsibility as a person in a touring company that's going across all these places is to reach out as much as I can to show people that this is a possibility in their lives at such a young age. We have a a little initiative project that we call Change is Fetch at Mean Girls, created by my wonderful castmate, Caitlin Smith. It's basically like an outreach program and we come into these cities and then like they their space for a week and we want to do the best we can to contribute our resources and what we love to do and so if that means like going into a a school and saying like hey can we help teach class or volunteering at food kitchens or in shelters or contributing to community fridges or getting kids tickets to the shows or just having simple conversations it's been a really great experience and I think that it's a great responsibility we have these opportunities now we should really 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 share them I couldn't agree more again going back to this podcast That's really why Giselle and I said, okay, let's do this. Let's amplify our voices. Let's amplify the experiences of the communities that we represent. And really that's, that's, what's important is people understanding the experience of others so that we can try to make sure that everybody's experience is better or or more positive, or we open those doors or that light shines in somebody's eyes and they say, okay, wow. So I could get on the stage and perform at Broadway. Giselle, you recently wrote in your Substack about representation matters. 
you were talking about some of those concepts and I can absolutely see where that resonates here in our conversation with Erica. Yeah. So Erica, obviously we talk about representation mattering. It does matter. When we see people that look like you and I and Jennifer, that role becomes more attainable. Those achievements of that person becomes more attainable. Now that we've seen Barack Obama, Michelle Obama in these massive positions of power, you start to then think as a child or as a, even as an, a growing adult, you start to say, well, that then becomes a possibility for myself. He also came from background of barrier. How can I achieve something similar to his status? And so representation matters. But for me, it's not just about representation. It's not about just filling mean girls with black and brown men and women and LGBTQ individuals. It's more about making these individuals have a voice. And that's really what does matter at the end of the day. Yes, we can hire 15 Ericas, but if we hire 15 Ericas and then we don't put them on stage or we keep them in the background or they don't have lines or they're there, but they're there as a more of a prop, then that becomes problematic. And having you here, it's really about showcasing, you mentioned some of it already, and where your role is very versatile, and where you might be a public school teacher at one point, you might be a student at another point. Those are the pieces for me as an individual where it matters. Representation matters, but it has to matter when the voices are heard of the people. Always, always, always. And I think circling it back to Mean Girls has, I think, since 2020 happened and the entertainment industry really got hit with a huge shutdown. They've looked back and really reflected on their casting choices and started to make conscious change and conscious placement and open their mind to the possibilities that making a stage performance really reflective of their audiences and of the people that they're trying to connect with. And I think what's so great recently is like the three women who play the plastics. Now, the plastics, we know we know their personalities. I think what I guess what I'm saying is that I think it's really cool that, you know, that I've oftentimes in theaters there are certain boxes that performers of color are normally pushed to be in. And I feel like with mean girls, that's not really happening. Our Karen and Regina and Gretchen are played by black and Latina and Middle Eastern women. And I think that's really dope because it shows the range of emotion and the range of power and the range of just like different personalities that that we can have the, the versatility of all that and I think that's something that's really cool that's been happening in the entertainment industry of people not fading into the background anymore and people making conscious casting and conscious changes to how we do things and I can tell you that first and foremost I've never been in a cast that is so diverse And then on top of that, so equitable of everybody and their experiences. That doesn't happen very typically. And it's something that I am so, so grateful for. I can't wait to see it. It sounds amazing. I think what you said about showing that versatility, right? Where you have the plastics and what would we all assume what those cast members would look like? And I'm going to have an assumption about what I'm expecting. And I think it's important that that assumption is challenged. Maybe not just, not for me, but for the broader audience that do not see women of color or people of color as being capable of the full range of emotions and full range of life experience. And, you know, it's silly to even think about it in 2022, but I actually had, um, you know, I had a post or something on Facebook 
and someone came on and was talking about how they went to the doctor it was a black female and she had went to the doctor and that the doctor with a straight face said to her that he didn't feel like black women felt pain so you know as ridiculous as that sounds if people can see let's say that that same doctor goes to a broadway show let's say he goes to he or she goes to mean girl i shouldn't assume it was a man he or she goes to see mean girls and they can see that the black woman on the stage has a full range of emotions in a full full life in a full presence maybe then when he goes back into that room and sits in the room with another black woman he won't have that opinion of her that she doesn't have feelings i mean it's it's silly but that's really the types of things that make people think and change so don't ever think that just by acting or for us Giselle by writing or whatever like it does have an impact if people are reading it and understanding or experiencing it fully and understanding. Right, right, right. I totally get that. And it like, it, it showcases to people what the reality really is. Like black women can be seen as the pinnacle of beauty. Latina women can be seen as the pinnacle of beauty and be the most popular people in school that everybody wants to be friends with. Because oftentimes in media, that's not the way it's portrayed. And so for this to be happening at such and such a grand level, I think it's really more remarkable. So far, I can tell that we have made impact with younger women and younger performers. And oftentimes, I'm really close friends with the two women that play Gretchen and Karen. And we'll be walking down the block and these girls will run up to them and be like, you don't know how much you just changed my outlook on who I am and what I'm completely capable of doing and being. And I think that's really special. And I'm grateful that we get to do that every day. Um, even though I know that we're not solving world peace and, you know, uh, our doctors or scientists, but I think even the smallest things um, can really contribute to someone feeling really good about themselves. And I exactly. And if that's what you can say is your legacy or what you leave behind, I think that's an amazing thing to be able to say. Yeah, because we can all create change. And what you said was really beautiful and where we can all create change, right? Outside of being doctors and solving world peace by doing it in small increments and within our own space, which is really important because while there's outside influencers and people in power trying to solve world peace and world hunger, it really is the people that are on the ground, right? The community fridges that are doing the work and the actors on Broadway that are changing mindsets and perspectives, the writers that are writing about important things, the podcasters that are having important conversations about diversity or inclusion or whatever the topic may be. And so it doesn't have to come from a top tier down to the rest of the population. I think it happening organically in whatever space you are in is how we create change because there, I don't believe in any like small change. It really is all like ripple effect. And so how you are saying the girls come up to you guys and they recognize that's one small ripple by the millions, right? That then changes another perspective, which will then impact another life, which will then impact another life and so forth. For us, this is why we have these conversations because it is important to have an open discussion about such heavy topics like world hunger and that racism and all these things, because how can, once we listen to these conversations, how do we take it back, digest it, and then implement whatever strategies we feel the community is asking for with, within whatever space we're holding. So I really appreciate that. I just wanted to ask one last question, which was if you could give advice to 
young girls, especially Latinas and people of color, what would be an advice you'd love to give them? I think don't ever allow anybody to think that you're doing too much and that your presence is too much. You're right where you need to be and the amount that you have to offer is great. Just keep doing you. Don't don't let other people make you think otherwise. And this is what I really wanted to hear when I was a kid. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that because I feel like Jennifer and I embody that and where we're like, there's no such thing as doing too much. You do whatever pleases you when it pleases you and you move forward. I felt like when I was a kid trying to diminish so much of what my light was. And I have parents with big personalities and big smiles and big laughs and feel big emotions and contribute so much love and energy that at times people feel overwhelmed with that because they can't share that themselves. And so you, you got to keep pushing forward with that energy and with that light because it's it, it makes an impact on people. It, 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 we got to share the goodness. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And with that said, so we're going to close out this special episode of the Mean Girls Broadway tour. And we will be there on Wednesday night, 730. I hope you guys are wearing pink. I hope to see you there. I will have to dig in my closet for some pink so that we can show up in pink for Erica. Yeah. Because it's got to be fetch. Remember, Jen? Yes, it's got to be fetch. (laughs) This is Don't Touch My Podcast Season 2. This was a special episode with Erica Barnett from the Mean Girls. And we're super excited to see Mean Girls um, this week at the Hanover Theater and Conservatory here in Worcester, Massachusetts, our Season 2 sponsor.